Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. Before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Joseph Simkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Ms. Aida, author, psychic, spellcaster, root worker, and witch, you can find her at MsAida.com, M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A.com. And this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. And you can find Ginger at TarotByGinger.com. And she's a tarot reader, medium, and healer. And you can find her at TarotByGinger.com. And now, this is my 500th episode. So, I invited Kathleen Martin... Preston Dennett, and Reverend Michael Carter to be on, three of my favorite guests, and as far as I know, three of you have not done a episode with all three of you together, so I just thought this would be a fantastic way to celebrate, and I am honored to have all three of you here. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Listen, question, I'm getting some feedback. I am too. Your voice wasn't clear at all. You might want to make an adjustment and start over. It'll clear up. It doesn't actually show up in the recording. Okay. So it, it does, the digital recorder does this sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's kind of fuzzy. Yeah. It'll come in, but it won't show up in the recording. Everything shows up fine. It's just this weird echo thing. Okay. Now it's kind of, yeah. okay. All right. So this is going to be a great episode. Um, so, so for people that are not familiar, Reverend Michael Carter is the author of several books um, about aliens in the Bible and extraterrestrials. Kathleen Martin wrote Captured and is the niece of Betty Barney Hill. And Preston has written so many books that I don't believe he even knows how many books he has written. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, the one thing like I, I, wanted to, I thought you three would be a great guest together is because of your view on extraterrestrials. You know, a lot of people will look at the extraterrestrial phenomenon as physical, you know, like, they, like they're, they're flying here in machines from other planets and visiting. And you guys all sort of also share a spiritual aspect of what these extraterrestrials are why they're visiting us, and how they may be influencing humanity. And that's why I thought the three of you would be awesome guests to have on together and just sort of have a discussion about it, you know, um, and just talk about that topic of what it is that these extraterrestrials, what is their interest in humanity and why they want to help us and how, what, and, and are we doing any of the things that we should be doing that they kind of are trying to push us towards. Like, obviously, like, I don't think they're aggressive in their way that they want us to go, but I think they are trying to subtly nudge us to try to get along and love each other. I think it's really almost like that simple. So I just wanted to hear, you know, a discussion on that between the three of you. Anybody can go first. (laughs) Well, you know, this is a topic that I have focused on for quite some time, and I've devoted two of my books to that topic. 
uh, extraterrestrial contact, what to do when you've been abducted, and uh, forbidden knowledge, the latest one out of six. So, um, you know, it became apparent to me increasingly over my uh, years of investigation. It's been 32 years now. Uh, plus, I was 13 when my aunt and uncle had their experience. So I've always had an interest in this. But you know, there's a great deal of controversy and people tend to be polarized on one end of the spectrum or the other. It's, it's all wonderful and love and light, or it's all evil and demonic. And, and then uh, people forget about that central area where most people are, where it appears to be scientific in nature. So uh, looking at those ends, I've done a lot of <laughs> experimenting. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an experiencer myself, sort of in the middle. Those have been my experiences. Although initially I was uh, extraordinarily frightened and traumatized and uh, it had, took a long time to work through that. But uh, what I've come to understand is that the more benevolent entities and also the scientifically oriented ones seem to be very concerned about human development and the possibility that we might self-destruct. Uh, they say that our technological progress is out of sync with our spiritual growth. And when this occurs, it could lead to the annihilation of life on a planet. They've seen it happen before, they've told me. And so... Uh, that is their concern. And there's been a great focus among uh, researchers and investigators and experiencers uh, who are attempting to uh, disseminate that message uh, to uh, increase human spirituality, to accept one another, to project love wherever we go. And then on the other end, we have that great difficulty with highly negative entities. A lot are interdimensional. I'm not even sure if they're extraterrestrials, if any of them are. Um, I've had uh, an experience with an attachment from one that I picked up from an experiencer during an investigation. So I know it is real and I had to have it detached. And I learned how to detach these things myself through uh, using uh, a highly positive guided meditation by listening to uh, binaural beats and vibrational raising frequencies throughout the day, that sort of thing has helped. So uh, that's what my comment is about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I know, you know, that... Being an experiencer, well, you know, you know, we've been told these things before. You know, we've been told uh, these things from our Native American brothers and sisters, people like Dr. King, obviously, uh, Yeshua, you know, I mean, so this is not a new message. It's not a sexy message, but it's the message that we need to hear. I tell some people, I tell people sometimes, you don't need an extraterrestrial to come down here to tell you that there's a problem. <laughs> um, I think that 
and I'm, 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 I agree with you, Kathleen. You know, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Yes, there are some people who are thinking, well, we're not going to annihilate ourselves because these benevolent star people are going to come and save us. There, then there's the other extreme that I get more from my evangelical or more conservative brothers and sisters that it's demonic. And so usually the pendulum is somewhere in the middle, I think. Um, but yeah, we have to change our uh, uh, consciousness. And that's easier said than done. You know, people say, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if no one's ever taught you to love yourself, how are you going to even do that? And, and I think religion has played a part in both in a positive way, but mostly in a not so positive way. Um, and so that's where I, I, I kind of am. Um, but, you know, Einstein reminds us that you can't solve a problem from the same consciousness that that created it in the first place. And that's that's where we are now. And yes, uh, there's research, there's your experience, Kathleen, and uh, Brother Preston, I'm sure we'll jump in, that this has happened before, that that civilizations have risen and fallen from self-destructing or whatever, catastrophes, planetary catastrophes, and what have you. My focus has been, and, and this is why I'm glad we have this little trinity here, for lack of a better word, even though I'm not a Trinitarian, is that we need more of the message that this is more than just lights in the sky, that, that you know, whether you have an OBE, an NDE, I know someone who had a, meta, a mystical experience jogging in the mountains here, life-changing. And so that's where my focus is. What, what, and everybody doesn't have it, doesn't make them good or bad people. But once you've had this experience, how do you live afterwards? How do you go about your day-to-day -day life? Um, after you've looked one of these beings in the eye. And so that's, that's, I think, is the focus that this is more about an inner transformation, which is what John Mack and folk like him had talked about, you know, uh, uh, decades ago, than it is more about the technology. The technology is wonderful, but we don't have, King talked about it, we don't have the spiritual maturity to keep up with the technology. And therein lies uh, one of the dangers. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I agree with what you guys are saying for the most part. Uh, I came into this field as a complete skeptic, honestly, did not believe it at all. I was quite young, 21 years old, when I found out my family was having experiences. My coworkers, my friends, soon I began having experiences. Did have a close up sighting with missing time, so came to realize I am an experiencer as well. Uh, and initially bought into the sort of ET threat narrative that these people are being kidnapped and experimented on. But after I started stepping back, doing formal interviews with people, and now it's several hundred, uh, more than that probably, I realized, I think, more what's going on here, that it's not a threat, certainly. Uh, and I know, Kathleen, you've wrote, written about how this experience is spiritually transformative, and you mentioned that as well, Michael, uh, which is what I found. Absolutely. This is a superlative experience for people, something they think about often daily. Mm -hmm. and has a very strong spiritual aspect. 
that is often overlooked by a lot of the nuts and bolts yeah. folks who initially you know wanted to just prove this is a real phenomena. So I get that. And like you said, Kathleen, it starts out often very scary, traumatic. So we see a lot of experiencers having PTSD and nightmares mm -hmm. and sleeping with the lights on and having insomnia and freaking out. But I can tell you that the vast majority of people I've spoken to, and I always ask them, do you think this is evil? You know, do, do you think they're here to take over or hurt you? No, none of them. I have really no accounts whatsoever, what I would call evil ETs, who act in sadistic ways and are trying to hurt or scare people. That is not their agenda. And I think if you look at what happens when people have face-to-face -face contact and are taken on board, it's very benevolent. And it's like you both said, they are very concerned about how we are treating ourselves, each other, our planet. Warnings of nuclear proliferation are right at the top there. It's funny, Kathleen, you mentioned how they're concerned about our technology being out of control. Yes, I hear that all the time. I mean, that's what Emily Trim, uh, the message she received is a little girl at Rua, Zimbabwe, her elementary school case. And that is a big, big message from them. The pollution of our planet, our war-like ways, aggression, greed and corruption, and spirituality. So many of the experiencers I've talked to come away from their experiences having out-of-body experiences, having clairvoyance, mediumistic abilities, healing is a big one. Uh, so I do feel like ultimately they are a positive influence on us. And that is largely their goals. And when people are being taken on board, it's mostly about healing, guiding, teaching, and waking people up psychically. And I think the negative, the negativity that people sometimes uh, interpret this is largely based on their own fear, uh, which can be very difficult to surmount. Mm -hmm. But overall, I don't see that this is a negative phenomenon. I think ETs are yeah. safer to interact with than most humans, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought that <laughs> Because um, when, when I was having my experiences in, in the late uh, 80s and, and up until the present time, even though there's been time, uh, maybe a year or two, when life was just kind of normalized, you know, there were two camps. I was in New York, so there was kind of like the John Mack camp. And and then Bud, who had, when I first met Bud, we would disagree a lot because Bud and David Jacobs were thinking that um, at the time that this was a little, there was, it was nefarious. Uh, I know Bud was leaning a, a, a different way. But the point I'm trying to make about all this is that you know, there are people who have had negative experiences and, you know, I don't want to negate that. Um, and, and that's real people, tra traumatic experiences. When I first started writing and coming out about this, I just didn't want the stereotype to be out there. I mean, I, I get it. You know, I'm a brown man, this incarnation. And so I know how that can go where if if you meet a bad, uh, uh, we won't even use those words, but a group of ETs that you had a, a not the greatest experience with, then all of them 
are bad. And human beings are really good at doing that. And so that was kind of like my motivation. It's like if, if you get robbed by a person of color, then does that mean all people of color rob you? Well, we do that not only with each other, but we were doing that in this phenomenon. I call it kind of like a galactic kind of racism where all the blonde, blue-eyed people are kind of <laughs> angelic and benevolent and the darker races aren't. And that does exist, consciously or unconsciously. For me, it's it's the age-old spiritual dilemma. I, I'm thinking of, of the Grenada Treaty. If you you know if you if you're familiar with it or whether you believe it happened or not, so Eisenhower has to make this decision with these two uh, uh, different nations of or tribes of, of of star people, and the the first group says, look, and they happen to be more humanoid looking, more Nordic looking, and they say, and I don't know if I would what decision I would have made, you know, listen, you've got to dial it back. I'm paraphrasing with the nuclear stuff. You know, you, you're playing with fire. We can help you with your spiritual growth if you got if you kind of get rid of this. And and then he says no. And there were a lot of political decisions that had to be made. And then this other group, uh, an, another group of grays, not all grays, make this treaty where we, you know, we just want to take a few people, we'll take the cattle, and we'll keep you involved. You know, that kind of thing. And Eisenhower says, we can't stop you. That's number one. But it's about the technology. And every day we have to go through that. Do we give up our spiritual life, our spiritual growth for the material? To me, that's the symbolism there. And each one of us collectively has to do that in our own little ways, not making these gargantuan decisions. And that's part of the spiritual path. Where do I put my values? What do I stand for? And so this phenomenon shows us the linkage between religion, religion and positive religion. Sometimes I wonder if there is such a thing, but the, the merging of spirituality and science, which is different than religion. But where do we do we get caught up in the trappings of the distractions of the physical, the material world at the neglect of the cultivation of our inner lives? That's uh, I, I, you know, we we just said like made me think like if we had opted for the spiritual side of things, then we wouldn't really have the need for the technological, because the spiritual aspects would give us some of the things that the spiritual would like telepathy, um, astral travel, being able to move through yeah. time and space, things yeah. like that. I mean, I'm not anti-technology, you know. Uh, you know, when we look at shows like Star Trek and mm -hmm. whatever, you see the fusion of both. And we need both going forward. We couldn't be talking now if it wasn't for the technology. We're in three parts of, uh, we're in three different uh, parts of, 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 of the country. But when we don't have the maturity, it's like money. Money's not evil. Money's neutral, as is technology. It's your intent behind it. How do you use it? What do you believe about it? Yeah, well, and I like if what you, you don't have the maturity, ooh, I'm yeah. sorry, Preston. You mentioned earlier, Michael, that this we don't need ETs to tell us this. And I like that because this is the same message, honestly, we are receiving from anywhere you look for knowledge, whether it's, you know, spiritual masters, Cindy yes. ears, uh, psychic channelers, or yeah. Native American elders, 
all are saying basically the same the thing. Same thing. Treat your planet right, love each other. Yeah. And yes. uh, develop yourself. So yeah. I, I what a concept. agree with that. But one thing <laughs> I would like to insert here is just to quickly regarding sure. the Granada Treaty. Because I looked into that in the Edwards Air Force Base yes. meeting, which I do think happened. Me too. But I don't, I don't believe that there was any treaty. I've looked into this. I, I asked, you know, people who are in a position to know. Uh, I wrote a book about a lady by the name of Dolly Safran, who was a fully conscious contactee, and she said flat out, no, the ETs do not make trade technology <laughs> with our governments because we abuse it. And I could yeah. not find any good reporting on the Granada Treaty itself where they gave us technology. I think that might, this is my opinion, I think that might <laughs> be disinformation. Mm -hmm. I just want to assert that because that is a controversial area that mm -hmm. does keep coming yeah. up. Well, it's even interesting, too, because, you know, according to what I've read, obviously, um, from various sources, Eisenhower said, we can't stop you. And it, and so it's and, and so even in that way, it's not a treaty because a treaty is, is allegedly between equals or at least people you can kind of trust. And for him to, if this happened, to acquiesce and say, well, you know, we can't stop you. You're more technologically advanced. So in some ways, it's like a power play. Sorry, you go. <laughs> to speak to that question, uh, I just wanted to bring up some information that I received from the granddaughter of uh, Rear Admiral Herbert Knowles who was conducting an experiment with Wilbert Smith from the Canadian government, their UFO guy, brilliant engineer, back in 1954. And this was, wow. they were communicating with ETs. And what was most important about this communication is that uh, the ETs were stating, uh, we're here to assist in your development if you want, but we're going to tell you that we will not give you all of our, all the technology in order for anyone to receive any assistance. Every nation will have a little piece of the information and you must cooperate as a planetary system. Uh, among nations in order to move forward. Now, Dwight Eyes, I have evidence that Dwight Eisenhower was involved in this, the CIA, the Air Force, the Navy. Uh, Admiral Knowles, of course, was in the Navy, retired at that point. But, uh, you know, it, it just tells me that they're very concerned about our human tendency to use technology for destruction, mm -hmm. in order to dominate other nations, to be the biggest and the best, instead of um, being involved in a cooperative effort. And that's just an example, I think, of what the message that the ETs gave to me regarding uh, our, our technological development being out of sync or out of balance with our spiritual growth. That, that is the major problem. And as Preston and also Michael stated, 
know, spiritual leaders around the world dating back to the earliest points in the history of religion have talked about the importance of spiritual growth. Yeah. But, um, you know, we move forward and then, then it seems that uh, we drop off. And, and more recently, with the development of technology uh, and the appeal of the negative to the human populace, uh, we're getting a, a lot of uh, movies uh, and and also news media coverage on highly negative things that mm-hmm. tend to lower that spiritual yes. development, yeah. to decrease it, to make people angry. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, the ex- exact opposite of what is desirable in order to move forward uh, as a society. Yeah. And it's easier to control people who are angry, who are disjointed, you know, who are who are fear based. It's easier for powers that be because we four are looking ahead of the world we like to see. And we need to do that because we have to envision and and, and also realize that there are forces um, who don't want to see that because the status quo is I'm making money. Uh, you know, I'm 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 living the life I want to live. And their powers that be that don't want to see that. And, and Kathleen mentioned the word. Now, there is many definitions as there are people, but I don't even hear this. You know, I'm a Unitarian minister, so I'm not a very religious person, but um, which is kind of nice to be found in a denomination like that, flawed though it is. Um, but you don't even hear people talking about love. I'm talking, I mean, I mean, you know, religious people. We, you know, we, you know, or so-called religious people. And, and granted, we can always unpack what that means to each and every one of us. But that word seems to be devoid of any type. I mean, I mean, that's why I love the Buddhist, because compassion is, 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 is a derivative of love. It's somehow it's even easier to, to, to wrap your mind around com- compassion. Love is used so many times it can be abstract. But we don't hear, we don't, you don't hear about, I mean, I don't. And I'm in the church business, if you will. Uh, I, I bring it up. I bring it up at, at, at uh, conferences, as I know you do, Kathleen. But we need to, to, to get that message out there. And people, we can, people can interpret it the way they want or we can walk through it. But the mess we have now is because of this notion that that's, that's naive. It's utopian. Uh, that's not the world we live in. But we know that that's the glue that holds the cosmos together in a lot of ways. And so I think that that needs to be put out there more and more. I know when I do bring it up, people are, um, it's refreshing. It's refreshing. That's the best word I can think of at the time for now. I find that a lot of times when I bring it up, uh, people comment, well, that was part of my hippie days. And, yes. uh, you know, now I've moved on. I've matured. Oh but I think that during the hippie days, love was misinterpreted to yes. more in a, a sexual way rather yes. than uh, in the pure uh, spirit of love. And, yes. and uh, it's not just a hippie thing. Yeah. That it, it's extraordinarily important. Yeah. Uh, for the people of this planet and everything in this planet, in fact, for every living thing 
I, I carried out a, a just a few small experiments to uh, attempt to determine if my thoughts could influence uh, things in my environment. Mm-hmm. And I started out with a plant. I've always had uh, poor luck with plants, but <laughs> I, I began uh, telling how the plant just projecting thoughts how yep. much I loved it, how beautiful it was. I would mm-hmm. touch it, and it would even move when I wasn't touching it in yep. response to me. And then, so I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. And then, you know, I live in Florida, so I have little lizards running everywhere. And I would, uh, they're terrified of me. But when I began projecting love toward them, they would mm-hmm. stop in their tracks and their little ruby red throats would just puff out and, and they could feel that love. And so I, uh, did, did it with other things, with people in the neighborhood, with the cows down the street. And it worked. It was amazing. And, you know, we are capable of changing, I think, what I call a collective consciousness to improve life on our planet. And so I encourage other people to do this, you know, as crazy as it might sound to a materialist. Mm. It's extraordinarily important if we are to move forward mm-hmm. uh, in a positive direction in, on our planet. Yeah, I just want to underline that. Uh, Love, you know, may sound idealistic to some people. I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm an idealist, but I do think, you know, there's an old cliche saying, "Thoughts are things," mm-hmm. and uh, I was kind of like that phrase. But when I started having out of body experiences, that hit home in a huge way. Consciousness rules on the astral planes. Yes. What you think will manifest. Yes, and the astral body is also also called the desire body, the emotional body. So what you think and what you feel manifests instantly all around you. And I think to a certain extent that's true here on the three-dimensional plane. And I like what you said about plants, Kathleen, because there has been scientific research into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's astonishing. Uh, Love is the answer. And in fact, Betty Andreessen, who I'm sure you guys know, uh, the contactee from Ashburnham, Massachusetts, was called by Quasga. Her great main gray ET contact, and it's a direct quote. Love is the answer for humankind. Mm-hmm. That's what he told her. All the answers that you seek can be found in nature. These are really good, positive messages. And love is, I think, truly the answer to all our problems. Because we have so much divisiveness and unequal yeah. distribution of wealth and all these problems. If we allowed love and compassion simply to guide our actions, we would be much better off in so many ways. Yes. Uh, Yes. uh, In fact, in my book, Symmetry, uh, which is about Dolly Saffron, her main contact, Talata, the ship, actually, said the same thing. We put it in the front of the book, the board. It's a little poem sort of thing, all about the importance of love. So I think this is something we just need to move back towards. And remember, we are immortal beings. We do live forever. Uh, and each action that we take has a huge consequence. We are very powerful beings. Mm-hmm. And it's important that we recognize that we are all one. That's another message 
almost all contactees get at some point. We are one, you are us, we are you, <laughs> we are all together. Right, yeah. interconnectedness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think people, at least who I've come in contact with, for instance, um, you know, we're never taught that love takes work. I don't care whether it's romantic love. I don't care what type of love, you know, when you're in a relationship, it takes work. And, you know, we see it in our politics or we are seeing it in our politics because, you know, love can be very abstract. And so people want to know, well, what would that look like if everybody kind of at least tried? And, and you touched on it, Preston. Well, there would be maybe more of an equality of resources, right? There'd be clean water. There'd be, you know, less fear of difference. And I think sometimes uh, people are asking behind that or, or not, um, or, or, you know, well, that seems kind of utopian, is that I need to know what that's going to look like. Now, the thing is, they have to envision it as well. So they have to have a plan. <clears throat> but when we talk about love, we need to say, well, what does that look like? And this is what Gandhi talked about. This is what King was trying to show us. So it's not abstract that it's all we just all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It's decent housing. Okay. It's not going into other countries and taking their resources or using people as, as uh, objects instead of the sentient beings that we are. And so in that way, um, because I think people in the UFO community, I know that's a hackneyed term, we, we, we can talk about love, or even when we talk about what we're going to send from this dimension to the fifth dimension, people are just trying to get by in this dimension. People want to know, what, what would that look like? Because it's so abstract. What, what would that look like to me if I'm having a problem paying my rent? Or if I don't have health insurance, I have COVID, or what have you. And I think that has to be um, because sometimes we can be, if we're not careful, and I think this is where spirituality gets a bad rap, but I think sometimes we can bring it on ourselves, that we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. That we can envision all that, you know, we're all going to do this, that, and the other, um, and but we have to bring it down to the concrete area of what, what would that look like? Henry David Thoreau said, it's all right to build sandcastles in the sky. But there comes a time when you're going to have to put the foundations under that. And people need to see that and to hear that as well. Love is action, actually. I think in yes. this, it's a verb. Way. It's a verb. And bringing this back to, towards UFOs and extraterrestrials, and I do think that's what we're dealing with here, not some weird intelligence that's putting on different masks. This is my interpretation that the vast majority of what people are experiencing are beings like us. Mm -hmm. And I often hear people say, well, you know, the, the grays I met weren't that emotional. And I started parsing this out because it was quite puzzling to me because other people would say, you know what? The grays I had, it was the most loving experience I yes. ever had in my yes. life. I'm like, what do you mean? They said it was like holding my baby for the first time. It was like meeting my wife. It was an absolutely spiritually transformative experience. Mm -hmm. And I would hear people say, well, they came into my room and didn't seem to care how I felt. And I started, you know, like I said, parsing this out. And what I realized is we are dealing with little AI greys who are sort of the robotic helpers who 
often pull people up under the ship, and that's where you meet the perhaps mid-sized gray, who's your main liaison. He's like, how are you? How are you doing well? Don't be afraid. I'm not here to hurt you. Um, here, you need to fix this part of your health and so forth. And it's a very loving and emotional experience. ETs are like us. They are more like us than different. Yes. I would agree. This is an important point. Yes, they are emotional. <laughs> they have the same emotions we do, though perhaps not greed and envy and hate and despair. Uh, they've overcome that. These are very advanced beings, spiritually, morally, ethically, yeah. and technologically. And they have families. You know, some yeah. of them have families. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Preston, do you find that when you make that statement to some people, uh, they counter that by saying uh, these extraterrestrials are all negative. They are only manipulating humans. They are lying to us. Mm -hmm. uh, I get that. I, 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 get, that. that. I yeah. get that. But, and I, I get that, though, from people who don't even believe in extraterrestrials. Um, <laughs> I'll give you an example. My my half sister and I, she, we're very close. She cannot, she will not talk to me about this, and that's okay. But I do energy work, and because I don't mention Jesus, it's immediately suspect. How do you know that's not the devil? It's like the it's like the line from Hamlet, mm -hmm. you know, when he's talking about his father. The spirit I've seen may be the devil, and the devil have power to assume a pleasing shape. But because they can't entertain, Kathleen, what, what, what Preston's saying, that resistance. Well, how do you know you're not, you're not being conned here? Because they can't let it in. And, and if they can't let that in, they can't let love in either. That's true. I agree. And, and you know, it's a huge concern. And, and they'll turn on you. And we've, we've seen that. If you look at the teachings of Jesus, if you look at, they, if they, not only, that they not believe, and I'm just talking about as a man, I'm not talking about saviors and all that, but they turned on him because love is powerful, as we were saying, and it can be scary. And if you don't think you deserve it, I will turn on you. And you could be the per you I'm the very person you're trying to help. Yeah, well, I've, I've really focused a lot of my research on people who've had direct contact face-to-face -face mm -hmm. and taken on board, missing time, the whole deal. And I present their stories as they experience them. I, yes. not, I don't interpret them. I don't edit them. And mm -hmm. I've you know, done this over and over again. I've got a bunch of books on this. And there are people who do feel like this I have some of them right over here. <laughs> and I'm not going to t tell someone, oh, no, these ETs you met were lo loving beings. Right. Um, I respect their interpretation. Yes. But I always ask them, what, what exactly happened to you? Why, you know, why do you feel this way? Mm -hmm. You know, some people do come at me, Kathleen, like, oh, they're liars, they're cheaters, they're demonic. I'm like, okay, they're demonic. Let's, let's dive into this. Uh, Cause some people will say, oh, all ETs are demonic. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, let's wait a second. According to traditional religious theory, two thirds are, you know, angels and one third are fallen. <laughs> Couldn't it be possible that most of these are angelic in nature. And if you look, when people interpret this as a negative experience, what I find is that they are frightened. Mm. They feel like mm -hmm. they did not ask for this. Mm -hmm. And this is often what people initially feel. 
And then they will continue to have encounters and at some point come around and like realize, oh my gosh, I have been spiritually enlightened. You know, I have been healed. They're not here to hurt me. A lot of people, well, I don't say a lot, a, a small portion actually don't get to that point. And these are the people who are like, how do you know this isn't demonic? I said, well, listen, I bought all the books on demonology. I did. <laughs> so I wanted to look into this. I bought everything on multi-personality and ghosts and shamanism. I just, everything I could find to really take a deep dive. And I think that there are demonic spirits. I really do. Sure. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's a horrific negative experience. But they don't heal you. <laughs> they don't fly in ships. They, and so sort of by your, their fruits, you shall know them. Yes. yes. And what but their vibrational frequency is so low mm. that they, I don't believe, can project love. Uh, I, I've had that experience I spoke of early on where I picked up one of these highly negative um, attachments, you might say, from from an experiencer who was being taken underground to uh, and terribly abused by uh, uh, reptilians with tails and uh, shapeshifters, that sort of thing. And so I know that this exists, this negativity, but they never projected love toward him. They were feeding off his fear, off his anger, uh, it was the negative emotions, and the, they just uh, vibrate. Uh, some people don't like this terminology, but they vibrate at a lower frequency, and mm -hmm. it's not the frequency of love. Love it is at a higher vibration. Love mm -hmm. is happiness. Love is easy to live with. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hurt people. Uh, unless it's withdrawn or something negative comes in. Mm -hmm. But love itself does not harm people. And so I think that we have to make that differentiation. Yeah. And and this is why, um, you know, we've been talking and, and Preston and Kathleen, you know, talking about the transformation that people have gone through who have been open to it. This is why the work of uh, Ray Hernandez is so wonderful. Yes. Uh, uh, because it's scientific data, you know, and I'm not, you know, science can be a religion. Too. You know, science can resist. You know, science is not always the good thing. We, we make it when it's when it's not willing to change with new data. But Ray's work is it goes the next step. It goes to the next step where the majority of people. And Preston touched on it as a Catholic who've had these experiences, not all have said it has been life-changing and my life has changed for the better. And so as Preston quoted from the Bible, by their fruits you shall know. You know, and and and, and so these are important things. But, you know, you're always going to have people who's going to say, really, don't confuse me with the facts. You know, and I don't complicating the whole situation is the fact that there is a cover-up, there is disinformation, mm -hmm. there yes. is, I think, a phenomenon we call my labs. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a real thing, and it's a real problem, where some people are being, in essence, mind-controlled. Yeah. And being received by our own people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's an enormous black budget, an enormous amount of time, energy, and money being spent towards spinning the narrative yes. here. Yes, yes, yes. This is so difficult to deal with, because they have endless resources, are very clever, they control the media, 
which is very fear-based. Let's face it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is by, really by design. By design. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they yeah. want to keep us afraid so they can control us. It's easy to control people mm -hmm. afraid. I hate you because you're black. You don't like me because I'm trans. I don't like you because you're gay. I don't love you because you're white. Man, I mean, I get it. Man, I can keep the money coming in. I can just keep telling you, yeah, you're right. He's a mess. Reverend Carter, yeah. Watch out. Look out. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see him? Uh, there's Kathleen. Watch out. There's your Preston. And, 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 and I'm telling you. I mean, even, even the way we... We'll kill each other. We'll kill each other. <laughs> The terminology in the, U the UFO field is a real problem. Mm -hmm. Calling them UFOs when actually they're ET craft. Calling, mm -hmm. you know, human looking ETs Nordics, which I stopped doing because it's not accurate. They are human looking. And I've got many cases yes. of American looking human. Right. East, Middle Eastern looking, black, yes. right? Yeah. Asian. Yes. It's, the term, so yeah, the terminology is a real problem. Here. And now they're UAPs, you know. I mean, it's like, but if I can control the narrative, I can control you. And we have to be able. My God, I wish we did a conference together. We just went around the country talking like this. Uh, I think people would. I think people would flock to yeah. hear us. You know, like ancient aliens, they do their thing. You know, well, we could go around. <laughs> we got to get the money together. But uh, yeah, because we can counter it. They do have the power. Uh, they have the technological power, but we have the power of this heart shock. Yeah, and resonate with truth too. <laughs> yes, and and so we we could give them a run. I think we're going to give them a run anyway because that's what we, we are. Yeah, <laughs> we already are. Yeah. We already are. <laughs> that's the one thing about like love and all this stuff too is contagious, and even like like the healing stuff. Like it's powerful. Like, like, I remember like like when I first met you, Michael. Like that the first that that's the, it was like. The week after, like my wife hit me up with a divorce, I was completely oh, I remember miserable, that. That was... and and then after talking to you, after doing that interview, I felt so much better. Yeah, I remember. You know, it was like like you you healed like like whatever your energy somehow connected with my energy, and it helped me so much. You know, it was incredible. You know, well, thank you. And, and then I had a, uh, you... like an experience yeah. with Preston where. You know, Preston was describing his technique, like a CE5 technique to see a craft because I had never saw one. And I and I did it for a couple weeks and I saw one. It was incredible. <laughs> you know? So so you know, I have no doubt that that this is a real phenomenon. I have no doubt that what they want for us is positive. You know, the negative entities I've heard a bunch of different theories. My sort of theory is that it's probably residue left on this planet from previous epochs that wiped themselves out. You know, I don't know if I'm correct or not, but it's my best guess at it. I, I, well, I we, think we we've done it before. This has happened before, by either by nature and or by, you know, I mean, I think Atlantis comes to mind in a way, mm -hmm. but other civilizations rise and fall. We have yeah. a tendency, I think, also to project our own yeah. cultural values on others. Yeah. So we as humans are somewhat greedy and nasty and uh, aggressive. And so when someone comes into our room and, and they look a little different, our tendency is to think, well, this is another right. human who is out to get me. <laughs> no, no, no. And remember, <laughs> ETs, the first thing they will always say is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Have don't no be fear. Afraid. No harm will come to you. Mm -hmm. They try so hard, but we as humans are so darn fear-based. 
that I think they have a little bit of a problem <laughs> convincing us. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I used to they used to paralyze me, and I couldn't move, but I could see and. But I and I would think, is this, you know? And after a while, they didn't. But I guess you know, it's for their protection it's too, because people get violent when they get afraid. You know that that kind of existential. Right. Like, I, I had a guess who said he shot at an ET. Oh my god. Oh my god. Well, I, I mean, our government has shot know. at them, but I'm just you're talking about one on one. Yeah. Wow. I had a case where a man shot one and and it just disappeared into a blue flash of light. This oh man was God. extraordinarily violent and angry about what was occurring and um, thought of it as being mostly negative. And, he shot him. He shot the He, he actually shot this Good entity Lord. who came into his bedroom at night. There was some residue left on the floor. After that, um, you know, but some people use violence in order to attempt to uh, stop what is occurring in their lives. Jesus. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate that this happens, uh, you know, and, and they're extremely difficult people to work with because mm -hmm. of that, that set of emotions that they've embraced. Yeah, they're so wounded. Mm -hmm. that, that's the only it's, it's yeah. just so unimaginative who was it that said violence is so unimaginative because what it's saying is I can think of no other way and I get the fear believe me but there's no other way I can deal with this situation I can't think of another way except to lash out uh, when that, that's, that's basically what you're saying I, I can find no other way to deal with this I, I, yeah yeah yeah, fear is a problem. It's something we need to work through. Yeah, someone is an intense fear. Oh, they don't boy. perceive that well, and no one likes to be an intense fear. And this <laughs> is what causes them to, I think, label this experience as negative. Yeah, I watched mm -hmm. this video of a lady who's oh, they're so bad, they're so bad, and I listened to the whole video. and It was quite long, and uh, what caused her to determine or conclude that this was a negative experience for her was the E.T. appeared in her bedroom and looked at her. <laughs> that was all that happened. Yes. And this is why I really encourage experiencers to take a really good, hard, objective look at what actually happened to you. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is where you start to come around like, okay, perhaps this they're not out to hurt us. Mm -hmm. And I think if you just look at the history of humanity, you'll see that they've been around forever, for millennia. These guys are so very advanced. We would know by now if they did not have our best interests in mind. Exactly. I, I, yeah, that's true. To me, it is. Do you think there's a method that they use and how they choose who they're going to communicate with? Um, I've certainly noticed patterns. Absolutely. We, as Kathleen, I'm sure, will echo, this does track families. <laughs> yeah. So that's that is absolutely a pattern. But I have true. noticed other patterns. People who are experiencers are by and large profoundly psychic. And I think that's a major factor here. And another thing I found is that people who are being contacted, and this isn't a hard and fast rule, but it's definitely there, are often people who are doing good work for humanity in some mm -hmm. capacity. Mm -hmm. And I did mm -hmm. notice this, particularly with the healings, uh, which you have received one, Michael. Oh, yeah. 
you're you're one of the cases, if I use that term, <laughs> term uh, that really woke me up to this. Because what we're seeing is people who are being healed and contacted are social workers. They're environmentalists. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. doctors and nurses yeah. and inventors and oh, musicians. They love musicians. Yes. Uh, and these, yeah. And I've had contactees ask the ETs flat out, like, "Why did you heal me?" <laughs> uh, this happened to a couple in Sedona who said, "You know, they had missing time, went under hypnosis, and found out that they weren't abducted. They were invited on board. It was a very pleasant experience for him. He was healed of carpal tunnel syndrome and a bad knee." Oh my goodness! And she, the wife said, "Why? Why did you do this?" I said, "Well, you're doing really good work. He's a social worker." where they live in Hawaii, that's a very rural area, and he fixes up people's houses. And she's an herbalist, an herbal healer. And they're having a really profound, good influence. She says, well, why don't you just come down and take over and help us out? And they said, we can't. There are yeah, karmic yeah. rules here. Yeah. You have to solve your own problems. We are yeah. helping those who help others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I believe that. I had a healing, too. Uh, back in 2012, I had uh, an incurable condition. Uh, degenerative and uh, I I asked for help and they did come and took me and uh, I was healed I felt like I was 23 the next day and I have <laughs> not had a re recurrence of, of that illness again in all these years so I I'm so grateful hey. for that I've worked with a number of people who, uh, you know, they've been sick, and, and I've said, you know, just send telepathic messages to your ETs and uh, do it frequently during the day and at least once a day. And if you meditate, that's a good time, too. Yes. The, the line of yes. communication is much more open. Yes. And, uh, I had one experiencer who uh, was suffering from cancer, and he was healed. And it was through an orb, I guess, that entered into his bedroom, uh, flew across the room, dove down into his body. And when uh, he woke up after 12 hours of being asleep, he thinks he was asleep, he was healed. And uh, no sign of cancer after that. Uh, mm -hmm. So it does happen. They, they are willing to, some people say, heal their own or uh, heal the people that they work with. Mm -hmm. yeah. Jim Schaefer, I think that's who you're talking about. I yes, know that. I am talking about Jim. <laughs> yeah, I began I the investigation that. of his case way back in 2013, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I noticed very on. early on that there was a strong medical theme that ran through onboard experiences. The physical yes. exam is one of the, I think, the most common feature. Thomas Bullard actually outlined... He was the first to outline the basic sequence of events of an onboard experience. And he said the physical exam is the one that most people experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, these things are like floating hospitals. And that's what prompted me to write my first book on yeah. healing experiences. And I can tell you there's not a researcher out there who has you know, really dived deep into this that doesn't have healing cases. I cornered Bud Hopkins once because he never, ever wrote about it. I know. Curious. I know. Like, Bud, what's up? <laughs> Do you have any healing cases? He says, well, yeah, actually I do. And it's very encouraging because I think these guys are most interested in the most lovely aspects of being human. And mm -hmm. come to realize that healing is absolutely one of the primary goals of onboard 
encounters. This mm -hmm. is one of the reasons people are taken on board. And I found you know, in my latest book about the healings, the healing power of UFOs, I documented 300 cases. I'm sure that's the tip of the iceberg. I really am. Oh. Many, many more. And that a lot of people who are being healed never even know it. They don't ask for insurance. You know, they don't ask for money. They come down and people might not even remember. And doctors are well aware of this phenomenon of spontaneous remission <laughs> and miraculous yeah. cures. They know all about it. This is medically documented. Yes. Healing is a yes. huge part of this. And this is what I want people to look at, especially those who feel like this is scary or negative for us. I'm like, well... You know, you may, may be very scary. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, but honestly, the evidence shows that healing is a huge part of this. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, people forget that you, things can be both in, at the same time. You can be very, very frightened and still something good can come of it. And yeah, the, that's getting nerves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm afraid know, every time I go to the doctor. Like, hey, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to forget that. That, hey, come on. No one's saying you're not frightened. No one's not saying, but look what came out of this. I know experiencers who have developed the ability to channel healing to others as well. So that's something, you know, beyond healing on craft. It's, it's just that uh, you are able to channel energy through your own body and mm -hmm. out into other people's bodies. And, and people are being healed. Yeah, I wonder so if I that's what they do is the, the, they're opening maybe a part of us that has the ability to heal ourselves and heal other people. And what they're doing is activating that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The ETs themselves are profoundly psychic. They're levitating. They're doing telepathy, all the stuff. And we can do all of that, too. These are not superhuman or supernatural abilities. Mm -hmm. And healing. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Kathleen. <laughs> Because I've heard that over and over again. Well, they, I can heal. I'm like, oh, and some of these have become good friends. I'm like, would you mind giving me a healing? Because yeah, one yeah. lady, I'll call her Wendy. She reacted initially very frightened. She's one of the people who jumped up and attacked the grace. She kicked one in the neck, snapped its neck. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh my later, God. she was healed of a cyst. And her very, this is medically documented. She says, you know, I do have the ability to heal. And she showed me a couple of cases that she did. She cured someone of gestational diabetes and brought someone else out of a coma. Mm -hmm. She's like, would you like to get a healing? I can run energy through you. And I, are you kidding? And uh, she's like, okay, take off your shoes, take off your socks, because I run energy through your feet. She grabbed my feet. And she, I could feel the energy. I've never felt anything like this before in my life. It was almost like electricity. It was pulsing, yeah. like, like water mm -hmm. rushing up through me. It was a really distinct, powerful feeling. And I've since had that from four other contactees who claim this ability. I'm like, let's try it. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. It's absolutely 100% real. It is so cool. It is. It's, it's a wonderful gift to individuals. And uh, I've worked on three uh, studies on uh, about 5,000 experiencers. Now, the first one was a small one in 2012 and 13. Then I worked on Ray Hernandez's Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation uh, questionnaire. And I think that you did too, Michael, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes. Um, and then uh, we did uh, one uh, through the MUFON Experiencer Research Team. And uh, what we have 
determined is that there are many commonalities uh, that experiencers of contact share. Uh, it, psychic abilities, um, being empaths, uh, developing the ability to channel healing to others mm-hmm. uh, without you know, studying Reiki or something like that. It's mm-hmm. just a gift that comes to, to people. Um, but in, in fact, what we've discovered is that uh, experiencers of long-term contact develop the same characteristics as near-death experiencers. Kenneth Ring and Christopher Rosing found, um, discovered the same thing in their Omega studies uh, to PhD academics at the University of Connecticut. And then there's been a follow-up study by the Mutual UFO Network. Well, it was through um, a PhD academic who had retired, uh, Dr. Leduver, Robert Leduver. And uh, the characteristics that we've discovered experiencers share are just outstanding. You could not look at those and say that there's any negativity involved in this for the majority of experiences. We had, we've discovered that about 10% uh, say that they're having negative experiences and they have none of the characteristics of the other people who participated in these studies uh, in terms of the positive changes that they have undergone. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, really transformative. <laughs> it's interesting also that you know near-death experiencers are sharing some of these commonalities, and I think this has caused some people to try to conflate all these phenomena together, which I think is a mistake. I think when a person's having a near-death experience, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And they're having you know an out-of-body experience or a Bigfoot encounter or what what have you. Uh, as Jacques Vallée has put forth a theory, John Keel and Lauren, you know, some researchers that ETs are not what they appear to be, um, that they're not extraterrestrial. And I don't agree with that. I don't either. I think we're dealing with people, I honestly do, who are from other planets. Yeah. Uh, and because that theory, well, I think might explain some cases, uh, the vast majority know, and it's very anthropocentric. Because where does that yes, leave it us? Is. Yes, you know, it is. Are, are we not beings on a planet? I think we know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. No, it's interesting. I have been, the last two conferences I went to, and I think, Kathleen, you were, you were there too, but not at the same time, um, in Michigan with RJ and Deb. Yes. Mm-hmm. They, uh, and, and Bill Kakolansky, Kakolansky. Kakolansky. Kukulski, yeah, you know what they've been doing is they've been trying to say, like, what at this particular conference there were people there talking about Bigfoot, there were people there talking about ET experiences, there were people talking about all these other disciplines. The good thing about it, though, was that we, you know, we weren't competing. This, these were all cases of high strangeness. It's all, you know, you can call it metaphysical or mystical. You can call it what you will. And so rather than having the disciplines, you know, either discounting each other or at each other's throat, we, we, we acknowledge that there were different experiences, but, but there were overlaps. And I, and, and more and more conferences, I think, are doing that now. Um, or at least talking about doing it. They're very different in a lot of ways. But for instance, with Bigfoot, 
you know, I don't feel drawn to that so much. But, you know, the, the, plenty of times they're, they're, they're craft that are around these, these big, these Bigfoot people. Some people have said we've seen them get off of a craft or go back into a craft. And so I'm, I'm, for me, it's heartening because a lot of times it kind of breeds this separate competition. Well, what can it be? What could, what can appear to be competition? I don't have to agree with it, but you know, there, there's, 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 um, there are universal laws and stuff that maybe that, that we call supernatural or whatever, but they're just probably natural, but we just haven't been exposed to it. Beings we haven't been exposed to. Things we haven't been exposed to. So we're like, well, that's kind of far out. And so I'm, I'm, I'm heartened by, by that. Yeah, supernatural and paranormal is a bit of a misnomer. Yeah. <laughs> the laws yeah. of the being broken. We're yes. still fully understand what's going on here, the mechanics of it. Exactly. And I think in a sense, you know, all roads lead to Rome in a way. All roads lead to enlightenment. All yeah. roads lead to a greater understanding. Yeah. Whether it's yeah. you have a near-death experience or a big mm-hmm. encounter. I agree or with you. And what's that old saying? <laughs> what's the old saying? All who wander are not lost. You know? <laughs> yeah, just because I don't see it the same way doesn't mean I'm lost. And I think religion tends to do that. Uh, religion deals in certainty. And, uh, you, you know, at, at least in the West. And, you know, we got to have an answer for everything. We can't live with the mystery. Um, and there are, there are mysteries that can't be explained. I'm often asked, what's the link between UFOs and extra, extraterrestrial contact and the paranormal? And that's a difficult question to ask because there is a link. Mm-hmm. You know, I yes, see this yes. all the time. Finally, yes. what I've come to realize is people who have extraterrestrial encounters are woken up profoundly and following encounter or even before will start experiencing spirit visitations, mediumistic yes. abilities, mm-hmm. shadow people. Yeah. Poltergeist, uh, poltergeist stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Precognition. And it works both ways. A person might have a near-death experience. They're woken up and the ETs come down and like, hey, look, we got an enlightened one. <laughs> yeah. This is what yeah. I think is actually going on here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'm glad that that's that we're starting to see that 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 you know we, we can have a dialogue um and uh and, and see where things overlap. Yeah, I think one of the things that trips up us humans, at least at this phase too, is the labeling and categorization of unexplained phenomenon. It's mm-hmm. hard for us to to do that. It's hard to, to, for us to, to identify them, label them, and then, you know, make connections between all these things. Yeah, we do love labeling, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, We do, but there's an overlap in, in so many of these phenomena. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I don't know if they're all... I wouldn't go and say that they're all the same thing, but you know, I, I think if one thing has proven true in the universe is that everything is interconnected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We discovered yes. in our MUFON study that uh, light orbs that appear to have intelligence are prevalent in the homes of a very high percentage of experiencers. Mm-hmm. Also, the sensation that something unseen is walking on the bed. Now, a lot of people would call it paranormal. That's not UFO related. But it's so prevalent 
that it seems to be somehow interconnected or that there is a, an overlay there of a variety of different phenomena that uh, are occurring in a high percentage of experiencer of contact homes. Yeah, I once had a couple coming from Illinois complaining about paranormal activity in their home. And it was very ghostly, you know, footsteps, mm -hmm. lights going on and off, and doors opening and closing. I'm like, well, you know, it sounds like you have a haunted house. He's like, wait, I'm not finished. <laughs> There's this object that's hovering over our house. <laughs> I'm like, huh. Wow. And sometimes this is hard to figure out. Uh, and honestly, I'm not sure quite what to make of some of these cases because I did get real into ghosts and hauntings because this is part of it. Yes. And I interviewed this, these two ladies in Van Nuys who were in a haunted apartment. There's no doubt. There yeah. were apparitions and cold spots and odors and banging noises and oh my goodness. problems. And oh, my goodness. I called them. She's like, oh, I'm so glad you called. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, this was your in essence, demonic haunting. I mean, that's what it looked like. But they moved out. They couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. These spirits came and tried to possess them. And they moved out to another apartment, and the activity pretty much stopped. But it was two weeks after they moved out. But suddenly, there's this loud vibration. And they're freaking out. They're running around like, oh, my God, it's back, it's back. And they ran out on their balcony, and there's this huge V-shaped craft. Wow. And, and they're like, this is a UFO. And they always yeah. felt like there was some weird connection there. And that's yeah. one case that you point to where I'm like a little puzzled by it. Mm -hmm. I don't fully understand the connection there because that was, I think, a classic UFO. Uh, but hmm, some of these, I had another case, just real brief, <laughs> involving a gentleman by the name of Robert Murphy who had a UFO land in his backyard. The next day, Bigfoot showed up. <laughs> And he had telepathic see, contact see, with him. Yeah. And following that, he had a poltergeist outbreak. He's like, what's going on here? I'm like, mm. Yeah. Well, I'm working on it. Right. That's still one of the areas, I think, where there are some questions of what's mm -hmm. going on here. But yeah. sure. um, too, and I think it's extraordinarily <laughs> important that uh, those of us who are researchers in this field uh, do study these other phenomena and in order to uh, attempt to gain an understanding of what this overlay is. Is it related? Uh, what is causing this? Is that experiencers are suddenly able to see beyond the normal visual range of other humans and these uh, are in our homes anyway, and we simply, uh, the average person doesn't see them? Uh, <laughs> is uh, some kind of interdimensional portal opened uh, when people have these experiences, so all sorts of things begin to come through, or mm -hmm. precisely what is going on. We have to look at this at least. If we're going to find answers, I don't think any of us has the answer as yeah. it stands. It requires a great deal of yeah. study. I think a lot of times the answer is all of the above. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I talked about yeah. the Bigfoot thing because that was really curious to me, because most Bigfoot is real. Make no mistake. Yeah. If you look mm -hmm. into it, you will see. But the vast majority of people who see Bigfoot aren't seeing UFOs and vice versa. And what I finally, this is my latest theory, <laughs> is that a number of people I've interviewed who saw Bigfoot had a telepathic link. I'm like, well, this is interesting because that turns up almost universally with ETs. Yeah. I'm thinking well, perhaps some Bigfoot are, are sentient. I think they probably are. 
intelligent beings. And like humans, they're contactees. So ETs mm-hmm. are contacting Bigfoot as they would contact any other creature. Any other screen. sentient being, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big, Bigfoot contactees is what I'm thinking is going on here with the with the bleed to of these cases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I, I have a guest on sometimes. His name is Sunbow True Brother. And he talks about Bigfoot being part of a intergalactic council of, with, with aliens. But I've never thought of it like maybe there's maybe possibly original residents of this planet and these aliens have contact with Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- those are the possibilities. That's the dialogue that can happen, you know? Yeah, there's so many possibilities. It's incredible. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Life, life, life is incredible. It is fantastic, isn't it? Life is incredible, man. <laughs> As a skeptic, you know, what kept me out of this field, I saw the, the TV show In Search Of. That was my first exposure, really, to ETs. And I remember them talking about human aliens. And, you know, this is kind of Star Trek. Yeah, I'm not sure I believe this. ETs, in my mind, this is what I was thinking, would be the blob or tentacled monsters or something very different. That's simply not the case. And this is so interesting to me that we have this incredible symmetry, which is the title of my book with Dolly Saffron, because they taught her this. There is symmetry to life throughout the universe. Yeah. Yeah, I know I didn't believe in any of this stuff, man. And... um, because of because I was brought up Baptist, and that was it was it was demonic it was a no no, and uh, and uh, and now I mean I've done the whole three sixty, but yeah yeah I just had no idea, but that's what happens when you have experiences and you're open to them and you risk being changed, because there are people who have these experiences and they can't let it in. I'm sure, Kathleen, you see that, uh, mm-hmm. researchers and what have you, counselors, and and so just trying to walk through it with them. And, you know, just talking about healing, sometimes just listening to someone um, is healing. Uh, I think that's what happened with you and I, that I listened. And I've been divorced twice, so I know where that can be, but I didn't need to lay that on you. I just needed to listen because there's a difference between being healed and being cured. When when I first had my experiences and I went into energy healing and I found, you know, I started studying Reiki because they pushed me towards this because I had even heard of any of this stuff. And, um, but I learned that like, like I, I've, 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 I've gone into hospitals when I was a chaplain and, you know, gave people energy and they died. But they died in peace and they were ready to go on to the next stage of their journey. I've done that with people who were cured, you know, and it's not me, it's the energy, it's not Michael. Uh, and... But for some reason, they couldn't accept it or they couldn't, and nothing ever happened. Sometimes the symptoms came back. So, you know, there's a, there's a difference between, you know, it doesn't mean I throw down, I raise from the dead or, you know, my cancer goes away. That's helpful, obviously. But um, uh, sometimes people can be healed 
and are ready to face the next stage of their journey, even if that means death. And some people can be cured, but they go back and, and live the same lifestyle and it doesn't work or it comes back. Yeah, death is not a failure. Death is actually a really exactly. healing event. Exactly. <laughs> you get to co go up and get into a new body and exactly. learn all the things that you worked on. Yes. Maybe come back if you want. And there's a healing that can take <laughs> place. That's, that can be healing in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. I've had a near-death experience. And it was after that that I started the podcast. You know, like, it's, like I was into this stuff ever since in search of as a kid, too. You know, but it was after the near-death experience that I'm like, all right, I think I can talk publicly about this and not worry about being ridiculed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is why I encourage people to look into astral projection and start experiencing it yourself. Because you don't have to read books on this subject. You can experience all of it yourself. You can go out of body. You can mm -hmm. have dreams which come true. Yes. You yes. can go out there and see UFOs. If you want to see a ghost, there are places you can go. Bigfoot as well. I'm the kind of researcher who really does like to experience it myself. Yeah. Have, I've had a Bigfoot encounter. Ghost encounters, astral projection, UFOs. And I encourage people to do it yourself because that's where the answers lie. Not yeah, because you experience it. You know, my, my, I'm not telling you about it. You know, you yeah. can say I've been there. True and, knowledge. And that's where the transformation is. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you, Preston. Mm-hmm. I was like, Preston is the one who told me to do that little technique so I could see a UFO, and it worked. It's thrilling, isn't it's, it? It's amazing. It's absolutely it's like, wow, incredible. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, and everybody can do it themselves. That's one of the things I, I try to encourage to my podcast is for people to experiment with different things. Like I know like the same technique is not going to work for everybody, but exactly. if you're open and you try different things, you're bound to stumble upon something. Yes, yeah, astral projection is a big one because it's we're all doing it every night. It's relatively easy to do if you're willing to focus on it. The only real obstacles are skepticism. People don't think they can do it or it's not real or fear mm -hmm. or just plain laziness. They don't try. But if you do it, it's an absolutely transformative experience. Mm. And you will become addicted. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> you can thank me later, but just try it. I, I, I encourage anyone who's listening, just give it a go. It's amazing. And it's very healing as well. I've got 20 or 30 documented cases of people healed of flesh wounds, fevers and colds, sarcoidosis, a, a chronic liver disease. Bruce Moen cured himself of it. Robert Monroe, he's the big out-of-body guy. Cured of a, a pain in his hip. Lots of cases of healings. And that's true for near-death experiences. Past life recall. Also, yes, past life regression, yes. <laughs> You know what, gang? I got to tell you something. I've been so into this, listening. I forgot that people are listening to this. Or are they? Are we? Is this what, I forgot. It's, it's I, I was like, we were just sitting in it's, our home or in a bar or something. <laughs> and Preston, when you said that, yeah, for those people listening, my mind said, listening to who's listening? But yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, this is, this is wonderful. I forgot. I, was, I, I was well, it's pre recorded, so it's not out yet. <laughs> okay. But then, yeah, but yeah, I, I was just like, boy, we're just sitting around kicking it around. Right? But yeah. Mm hmm. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I never plan anything. Like kind I of am getting older too, so I, I may lose. I may forget where I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that does happen too. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so before we um, 
finish this up. Any uh, final thoughts from any of you? We just kind of go around. Start with Kathy. I want to do this again. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to – it's going to happen. I'm going to put it out to the universe that we can do, tour around and do this. I, I don't know how it's going to happen because I think we have a, a powerful message. I, I know you have a powerful message. That's counter to the other thing. And, <laughs> and the other thing I was going to say is, you know, I, I wish I wish you all good things for this upcoming year. And whatever faith you have or don't, just keep it because we're going to need it. It's going to be an interesting year. But this was a real, it was a good way to start my day. I got to go to work after this. I got to go out to the church. But this is, it, 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 I'm high on it. Yeah, well, my end message would be what we pretty much already said. <laughs> Love is the answer. Mm -hmm. Leave fear behind and look for truth from within. You know, don't look to other people for answers. Mm -hmm. True knowledge comes from personal experience. Don't depend on our lying governments for oh, disclosure. Please, disclosure will Ooh. come from you. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be just have fun. Live your life. Have fun. Weston, you think the government's lying to us? Well, I want to say that I just I thoroughly enjoyed being on this panel. I would love to do it again. Oh, I love yeah. Michael's idea of the three of us just going on tour. If somebody came up with the funding, I think just to yeah, uh, gonna... spread the word because Thank it's you, so extraordinarily yeah. important. And um, want to wish everyone the very best in the coming year. I agree with Preston. Uh, get involved in this yourself. You can Please. learn how to engage in uh, seeing beyond, to exploring the answers, to projecting the love, and yes. to change this world. And if we all do this around the world, I truly believe that we will be in a different place and we will live in a better world. Wow. This is great. This is fantastic. Yes. I, I really I, I love the three of you. And <laughs> I've been thinking about this for a while, like, like having the three of you together. And I, I can't believe wow. this has happened, that it's worked. And it was just absolutely magnificent. This, this was just incredible experience. Thank you. Thank you for yes, having Thank us. you so much. Thank you. So, um, yeah, we'll just um, we'll wrap it up. And actually, go around just to, like, how can people find you, too? Just you got your, your website addresses. Oh, yeah. Um, you can find me, uh, Michael J.S. Carter at Gmail. My website is Michael J.S. Carter, and my books are on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Preston? Um, yeah, just type my name in on the internet. You can find my website. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, of course, and got a YouTube channel where I'm putting out my research. And all my books are on Amazon and other online retailers and at bookstores near you. <laughs> Kathleen. <laughs> and uh, you can go to my website. It's just simply Kathleen-Marden.com. Um, my books are all available, autographed copies there. They're also available on Amazon and at Barnes and Noble. Uh, and, you know, I'm on Facebook. And uh, it's pretty easy to find me. You can just type in my name in a search uh, engine and, and I'll come up. <laughs> All right. 
So, so all this information, too, in case anybody doesn't remember it, will be in the notes of this episode. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys, and just hang on. Thank for, you, brother. Thanks, Kathleen, just, Preston. Thank it's you. Great to see everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget, uh, Paul Eno says, hey, he'll probably reach out soon, I'm sure. I got to go to work, gang. All right. Have well, a great bye-bye. day. Thanks. You too. I just got to play my outro, but you guys can leave while I'm playing the outro. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Recording stopped. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable.